I'm going to invite uh, my brother Enrico up to come and be with us. I'm so excited for this morning. Um, let's give him a hand. This man is a big-hearted man. First time I got to hear Enrico minister was uh, at an ap apostolic passion moment in Goodwood RGS, maybe about five years ago. And I was sitting there and I was crying for most of the, the time he was speaking. Just because he really, he really carries such, such a passion for lost people. And this morning our title is Welcome to Sinners. Because if we lose that as a church, we might as well close our doors. We are called like Jesus to seek and save the lost. Not only is he a phenomenal minister, um, a powerful speaker, He's, he can tell us testimonies until next week Sunday and we can restart the service of how God has used his hands, his life, his story. But he's a meek man. And the Bible says a lot about meekness. He knows his strength, but he carries it with humility. When I asked him to please send me a bio to tell a little bit more about him, he just said, I love Jesus, I love my wife, I love my two kids, and I love leading people to Jesus through the gospel. So let's open our hearts this morning as uh, Ricky uh, ministers to us. Thanks, my friend. Wow. Good morning, family. I'm at home. Whenever I come to any of our Every Nation churches, when I see that globe as I enter, I feel at home. I'm amongst my brothers and my sisters. We might look different, but I tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ is what bonds us together. And that is what encourages me most, is what Jesus did for me. And in that space, oh, Mr. Ernest, ah, my work here is done. That is the power of the gospel, redoing something within a marriage, within a family, that the enemy came in like a flood. God raises up a standard. And I do believe that as we are here today, that God is going to do something deep within our own hearts. Because remember, somewhere along the line, you and I were sinners without a Savior, condemned to go to hell. But Jesus sent somebody. Jesus allowed somebody on our journey to tell us something. To tell us something that would change our lives forever. Let me tell you just a little bit about myself, a little bit about my story. I never saw myself in a place where I was going to be ministering the gospel to anyone. I found myself coming out of a broken home. My dad I met for the first time at the age of 14, my biological father. But by that time, my mom married a guy, and this guy turned to be a drug addict, alcoholic, not really what they call a social alcoholic. And from that point in time, you'd come home sometimes and it beat my mama down. I don't know if people say beat up, but I saw my mom being beaten down. And as I was there, young child, six, seven, eight years old, I didn't understand what family looks like. 
I shouldn't have seen what I've seen. I shouldn't have seen a man put a knife within my mama's chest. But God was at work. God was preparing my heart. I'm not saying God allowed that to happen. But in my journey, I never expected to be in a place where I would talk about this God. You see, I was asking, where were you? God, where were you? And I was never disrespectful, but I always wondered, where were you? When my mom was being beaten, when, when I was being told I'm a nothing, where were you? I was young, I was a child, I should not have had this. Where were you? And all the time, in all of this, Jesus was preparing me for something bigger than just that moment. I want to say to you as I stand through my time and my years at the age of 24, I'm cutting through all the things. I grew to be a bit bitter. I had to make tough decisions as a young person. Should I become part of the gang? Should I do certain things? Should I? But I didn't become part of it. There was a sense within me where my Sunday school teacher, Auntie Peggy, would share with me a bit about Jesus and, and they ask me, why don't you come to Jesus? I would say, Auntie Peggy, I'm not ready yet. That was always my way out. I wasn't going to play with Jesus. I'll mess with all these other things, but I ain't messing with Jesus. Because I do know there's certain things we don't mess with. I'm not going to mess with God. And as I would go and grow up, there was a pastor. <laughs> Oh, this pastor would pursue me, and he would keep on coming to me. Whenever he sees me, he tells me, Ricky, Jesus loves you. And I look at this pastor, say, Pastor, just get done talking. I'm standing with my cigarette, smoking, and I'm thinking, Pastor, I, I don't have money. This is my last 50 cents. That's was the cost of the cigarette. And now I don't want to smoke because Mama raised me in a way that you don't smoke in front of the pastor and the priest and all of that. And I'm standing here. I'm thinking, please go, and my fingers is burning, and I don't want to let it go. He's going to see it fall, but even though he knows, he smiles. And all these people was on my journey, and they kept sharing with me. They kept sharing. You see what they were doing? God was setting them up and drawing me closer. He was drawing me closer through people, pulling me in closer through people. I didn't understand that. At the age of 24, I would walk into my wife's place, into her mom's house, and I drank about, can we edit this out? A half a bottle of Bell's whiskey that night. You see, I was in love with the woman, but I didn't know. You know, sometimes as men, we get silly. I needed some brave water to declare my love to her, but I wasn't. Yeah, some men understands me right now. <laughs> And so I was going to declare my undying love for her. But I didn't know how to do this. And so I go to her. I wasn't coming to say, I love you, let's get married. I was saying, I love you, but can we just stop this kind of thing here because I can't move forward. I go to her that night. And I get into her house. I guess liquor and I've got something in here of, you know, not just... Substance of the heart, the substance of that. And as I was going in, something I saw within her that day 
the beauty of Jesus was shining through and I looked, what is this? For the first time, I didn't want the woman. I want what was coming out of her. What is this? I don't understand this. I had an encounter with Jesus while I was in a stupor. But God used another person on my journey. I go home that night and I toss and I turn. I don't understand this. The next morning, I got into a public phone in front of a naval pub. I picked up that phone and I phoned Gita. I had to put another 50 cents in. That time I had a 50 cents. I put it in. I phoned her and I said to her, I want what you have. I want what I saw inside of you. You see, four months prior to that, she gave her heart to Jesus. And at that moment in time, she would then tell me, I'm going to call you back. What's the number on the? I didn't know I was going to be the first sinner she was going to lead to Jesus. And Jesus was using another person in my journey. Another person to, while others was putting a seed down, others was watering, it was harvest time, and I didn't even understand that in the moment. She didn't understand that it's harvest time because she didn't even have the sinner's prayer ready. And then she would go and search, where is this prayer? How do I do this? How do I? There was no one-to-one that she could quickly grab 20-odd years ago. She eventually found a three, four-liner, leads me to Jesus on the public telephone, and my life changed forever. You see what happened? You can give Jesus a hand. You see what happened there? He was setting me up with people in the midst of my hurt, in the midst of my pain. There was an uncle of mine. He, he, he passed on to be with the Lord. But sometimes you'd fetch me from my home because he knew what was happening in the house. And you'd take me by the hand and you'd take me to the church. And I would stand there, seed sown. Seed sown. We never knew where God was going to take me. But God had a plan and a purpose. And he used his hand through the people. And touched my life forever. And I believe that this morning, God, God is going to activate some of us in this place. God is going to activate. I like what Ernest said, professional Christians. But let me not go ahead of my message. All I want to say to you, I was a little boy, born in Oatswan, grew up on the Cape Flats, never knew that God has got a plan for me to go and tell others about Jesus, the one who saved my soul, Jesus, that restored my body, Jesus, that when I was dead in my sinners, snatched me from the hands of the enemy and says, my son, I love you. And that changed my life. This morning, let us pray before I get into the depth of the word. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, I pray that I would decrease and you'd increase. We're not here to be entertained, Father. I'm not here to entertain. But Father God, we are here because we want to hear from you. Because it's your word that accomplished what you set it out to do. So as I minister your word, help me to speak with clarity. And help me to speak 
Only what you want me to speak, O oh Father, that will cause us to be activated in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Luke 15, verses 1 to 2. As I go into this, I want to thank you, Pierre, and the leadership for trusting me as your brother just to come and bring the word. It's really good to be here. Just to share something funny with you, it was in Somerset West, before I get into the word, where I met a friend of mine, Mario. Now, you know, I've, I come up in uh, his people, every nation, and I'm sitting there at MPD training 2015. I'm about to step into ministry, and I see all these guys, and, and these are, you know, it's, it's, it's learned guys, solid guys. And, and all of a sudden, I see this guy, two six tattooed on his hand. And I thought, this is not a usual guy that will be in every nation. You know, normally it's students, guys, that is coming from campus. And all of a sudden, I see my friend. That time, it wasn't my friend. And I looked at the markings on his hands, and he said, bro. <laughs> my English went out the door. I said, my bro. JD. <laughs> and today, we have grown to be of the bestest of friends. And we love on each other. He's got a beautiful family. And I, I want to thank you that in this space I found some that I could really relate to. I can relate to people. But that time it was like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it was here. Yeah, it was in Somerset West. And it's really good to see what God is doing here in this space. Here this morning, Luke 15, a scripture that we all know. It says, now. All tax collectors and sinners, including non-observant Jews, were coming near Jesus to listen to him. Both Pharisees and scribes began muttering and complaining, saying, This man accepts sinners, welcomes sinners, and eats with him. To get a clear understanding sometimes about Scripture, as you go, we have to understand that content and context goes hand in hand for us to get a clear picture of what is happening here, who is Jesus talking to, who is in his space, and what is he saying, and how are they responding. So this morning, I'm going to talk about welcome to sinners. You see, around Jesus at this point in time, we have tax collectors and sinners, Pharisees and scribes, here is the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus Christ, the word incarnate. He would come into a place, and those that is drawn to him was the sinners and the tax collectors. Those were the ones that would come closer to him. What about is, is it that made Jesus so attractive? What about it is it that made him so beautiful that the very ones that's being outcast by the moral society would want to come close to him? What is it? What drew them near? They wanted to hear. It is something about the beauty of Jesus Christ that draws people closer. There's something about Jesus that draws people closer. Secondly, these are Pharisees and the scribes. <laughs> They're muttering. You know, these guys knew the law. He's not only in a place where he accepts them. 
He welcomes them. So he don't just accept. He draws them closer. And the Bible says, and he eats with them. Unclean people. Sinners. Tax collectors. The worst of the worst. He eats with them. Now, there's a level of intimacy that happens at eating. There's a closeness that happens right there. He welcomes and he eats. He welcomes and he eats. As we go and Jesus then seeing the heart, he gets to a place where he starts talking about these parables. And we know these parables. It talks about the lost sheep. It talks about the lost coin. It talks about the prodigal son and his brother who was a religious guy. And so as we look at things here, today I believe God has sent me to speak to all four of these different people. I believe that as Ernest has even shared the professional Christian. I'm going to touch on that, and I believe God set this up this morning. You see, while we're looking at this, there was different kind of lost people. Number one, if you look at the first category that I want to touch on, there was the lost sheep. The lost sheep is the one that is out there in the danger, is out there in a place where they are exposed to the things of the enemy. The elements of the world is there attacking them. Anything is they are vulnerable. But we see here, as I touch on this, the heart of the gospel is that Jesus, if you read at this, the good shepherd, what does he do? He leaves the 99. He goes after and he finds this lost one, picks him up, puts him or her on his shoulders and carries him back to the place of safety, to a place of where this one can be fed with the right food in the comfortability of being with his brothers and his sisters. Don't ever neglect what you have here. Being amongst the flock, it's beautiful. It is something where David says, what joy filled my heart when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us have that joy in our heart. The second group is the lost coin. Now here's the thing about the lost coin. The lost sheep was out there. The lost coin was lost in the house. Lost in the house. Coming to church weekly. They hear the gospel weekly. They're in that space where, where they, they actually love Jesus. They actually, oh, it's almost in a place where, where, where they will never be disrespectful about Jesus. It's because here it is, they lack one thing still. They are in the house, but they're not latching in. They are lost under the seats, lost somewhere within the church world, can our eyes be open? Can our eyes and our hearts be open? And as we go, we're going to talk about the one which is the prodigal son. Here is this guy. He goes to his father and he says to his father, Father, would you give me your my inheritance, give me what is mine. You know, in actual fact, he was saying to his father, Daddy, you are dead 
to me. Daddy, you are dead to me, and therefore give me what is mine. Give me my inheritance so that I can go. And as you take that inheritance, you leave, squander it, mess it up. And at some point in time, something happens when for a Jewish man to end up with feeding pigs. It's not something to be taken lightly. You see, this guy, the, this guy is the one, the prodigal is the one that's on his back home, way back home. Nobody tells him, come to church. Those are the ones that just walks in to church and they come in ready, ready, make a call. Just, I want to come to Jesus. I know what it's like to be in a place where I suffer. I know what it's like to be in a place where I squander, where I'm messed up, where I feel I'm not part of anything. He's the one that's coming back to Jesus, back to the church. He might or she might be in a backslidden state, but he's coming back and just waiting for that call to come to Christ. The fourth one that I want to touch on, and this is a dangerous one. He or she, she is very obedient. I think you touched it so beautifully. Come to church. They're serving. They are part of things. Now, it started off well. It started off in a place where they're honoring God for the right stuff, but eventually they get into a place where they become like a professional Christian. I'm here in the church, and I'm here to serve, but, but when it gets to certain things, pride kicks in sometimes, and they feel like, you know, like, like the, the fattened calf was there, and then he was invited in, but he says, I obeyed you all the time. I did the right thing. I did whatever you wanted me to do. I served. I became an usher. I served in the sound team. Man, I even joined the worship team. I did everything. I was coming to Wednesday meeting. I became a leader. I did everything. I did it right. You see that pride kicks in. Pride kicks in and pride comes before fall. Done it all right, but in the meantime, you did it all right to manipulate God and saying that I have done this well. Now you give me what it is I need. Whether it is money, whether it is in your business, whether it is in the church, whether you're jockeying for a position, but are you in a place where you can take that because our righteousness is like filthy rags in God's eyes? Here's it. This morning, I want to say to you, you might find yourself in one of those categories. We're not here to judge. We're not here to put you in a position where you feel judged. We are here in a place that's saying God has a divine appointment for you this morning. That you might be in a place where you're needing Jesus to touch you afresh. This is not a condemnation moment. This is a family moment where we're standing and saying, God, can I be real with you and myself? That is so important. So this is one of the things that I want to talk. There's the lost. The second part, you saw what the lost looked like. The second part is the found. The found. Here is that if we look at Jesus' heart, what is Jesus' response? And you and I want to respond in line with Jesus' response. What is it that Jesus did? How is it that people is drawn closer to Jesus, the one that welcomes sinners, and sinners is drawn to the beauty of the gospel? You see, if we have an authentic, real relationship with Jesus Christ, there's something that will draw unbelievers closer to you. 
Because you know you're not about your agenda. You're about the Lord's business. You're about to come in the name that's above every other name. The name of Jesus Christ. And there's no other name that man will be saved by. And God saved your soul. God is making his appeal through you. In your workplace, I want to say to you, don't be blinded. It's the enemy that wants to blind you to that person that is lost. Jesus responds, accepts, and he welcomes. We see here, according to, to John 10, 11, what does it say about Jesus? I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We can see in Luke 19.10, this is the heart of Jesus. For the Son of Man came for what? To seek and save the lost. Yeah, somebody's catching it. She's, yeah, according to John 8, he says, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from here and sin no more. Jesus is the one that doesn't condemn us. Jesus' heart is wide open for us. Jesus left the pinnacles of heaven, streets of gold, beautiful. But we're too scared to leave the comfort of our office at work. We're too scared to leave the comfort of our homes just to tell our friend next door about Jesus. We are afraid to go and tell the world about the ultimate answer. Who is Jesus Christ that while we were caught dead in our sin, Jesus died for you and for me. And Christ wants to make his appeal through you. You see, here's the thing. You might be in a place for those that has an authentic relationship, but that real relationship with Jesus Christ, that if you love me, you will obey my commands. You might be in that place. You are found. You are in love with Jesus. Found people finds people. Found people finds people. God wants to find people through you. You see, here is the thing that we are here as Christians, as believers. We are soldiers of the Most High God, and He makes His appeal through you and my life. You might say I'm too young. You might say I'm too old. Oh, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a senior Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that God has given us, that gives us the power, and the power of the gospel is enough to save a soul. The gospel is powerful on its own. You don't sometimes feel that you need to make the best presentation. You want to be as accurate as possible as you can be. I've been in a place in Kenya. I go into Kenya. There's this Muslim young man. I go and share the gospel with this guy. And he looks at me and he nods and he nods. And I feel that I've not done a good enough gospel presentation with this guy. And, all, yeah. and so I, I ask him, do you want to receive Jesus? And he says, yes. In my heart, I thought that was too quick. I said to him, brother, do you know what you're saying? You are saying that you are going to accept Jesus, the one that you guys are saying, he's just a prophet. You are going to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. Are you willing to do that? He said, yes. 
I said, oh, okay, let me try again. I said, I said, bro, bro, because I know I didn't do a good enough gospel presentation in my liking. I go again. I said to him, brother, do you know? You are saying that Jesus is the son of God. He said, yes. I said, do you still want to receive him? He says, yes. I said, okay. <laughs> Let's pray. And we started praying for this guy. And this guy is like really sincerely commits his life to Jesus. He stands in the street. You know, he's a Muslim guy and he prays loud with me. I think he prayed louder than me. I was trying to be in a place where, guy, let's just, you know, we understand this. Just, and he prays loud. I want to receive Jesus. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord. And he gets saved there. The gospel is the power unto salvation. Not how well you can present it sometimes. Yes, get into the gospel, get into the word of God so that you can understand the proclamation we've got, the one-to-ones we've got. We've got all the various tools, our biblical foundations. We've got various tools, Bible schools, L215 as a ministry. There's enough to equip you. And here's the thing, in a house like this, the heart of God is pumping and it's inevitable. You and I were called to go into the world and make disciples. This is where it is all. That as we go, we see God's response was one of saying, go into the world. You see that pastor stepped into the world and he shared with me, Pastor George. Here is the thing, Pierre, about a couple of years after that, I now become a lecturer at the, at the campus and I'm lecturing. And this young man comes in and I know he's a Christian. Something is different about him. And I would, many a times, these arguments amongst the, you know, boys. And then I would, I, would, I would then say, guys, everybody leave the class. Faba, stay behind. His name is Fabian. Say, stay behind by me. He stays behind by me. I said to him, champ, what's going on with you? You are a Christian. And every time we had a relationship like that, I said, when I turn my head, you're not looking different. And it wasn't to condemn him, but there was a love moment right there. Faba would come in. We would do life together. He used to freaking my home after that. He steps in the fridge. You know, one of those kids come in, take out of the fridge. Um, anybody wants coffee? Fabian became that person in my house. We started sharing with each other one day, and I was telling him about my story. And he said, Pastor George is my grandfather. He says, yes, he always walk around with little tracks. Things giving it to people. I said, that one, yes. The short one. He said, yeah, that one. You never know who's the ones that you are reaching that at some point in time down the line will be reaching the next generation through you, the very person that shared with me, Pastor George. I could then be in a place where I discipled for even took him on the mission field with me, took him to a place. He even met his wife in every nation church, happily married today. That's the beauty of discipleship. That's the beauty of taking this gospel that is so alive, that is so real into a dying world. As I go, there's one more story that I want to share. I, I, I went to go and drop one of my daughters, um, not my daughter as in physical, but she, her father is not active in her life. So we're a group of friends together, and she goes to school with my daughter, and I'm busy dropping her by aunt who's going to take her to, to her mom's place. 
we get to this rehabilitation center in Kenilworth. We start to talk and share with, with one another. And as I'm sharing with this person, she says, there's this young boy that I want you to meet. I meet this youngster. I start speaking to him and I ask him, where does he stay? And we started talking. I share the gospel with him. The guy gets saved there and then. It's the gospel that's the power unto salvation. But God wants to make his appeal through you and I. You know what happened? I started asking about his family because I recognized the area that he lives in. There's a, a lady, his, his great-grandmother was a, a lady called Miss Adrian, Mrs. Adrianza. And I used to go and stay by her when my mom was working. And she used to, you know, sing all these, these old hymns and, and she loved Jesus. And I didn't understand. I'm just thinking, you carry on majesty. Worship is majesty. That is what she was going. And I'm walking around. It happens that that young boy, the great-grandchild of Mrs. Adrianza, I got to lead to Jesus. Mrs. Adrianza showed in my life when I was a kid. Not understanding anything. Sometimes when mom had to run out, she ran to Miss Adrianza and we would be in a place of safety. I didn't understand, but it was the presence of the living God that was there. Because there was a disciple in that house. And that made the difference. That is the beauty of the gospel. You know what? As we go further, as we see this, this part of the scriptures in, in, in further down in the lost son. There's the part where the feast is organized. You know what? He rehearsed everything. If you go into verse 20, he rehearsed. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to say to him that I've sinned and I'm going to do all of this. But his dad sees him and his dad responds first. The son didn't get to say all that stuff. The dad responded. He ran towards him, had compassion in his heart, opened up. His arms accepted his son back, received his son back, made a feast, ate together with the son because he was lost and now he's found. Jesus wants to make an appeal through you. My mom got saved. I'm going to share with you what happened at the Pastolica. I remember a story there. My mom got saved 10 years after I got saved, I just kept on living my life. I prayed for in the spirit. My mom then said, Ah, Ricky, the way that I know you is two, three weeks, then you're off this Jesus thing. It's 20 odd years later. My, my mom one day just shows up at church. We're doing something different. She gives her life to Jesus right there. Jesus made his appeal through a person. At that point in time, the Holy Spirit ministered through the person. That is the beauty of the gospel. My grandfather, he also, he was up and down. Oh, he was funny, that guy. He was up and down in the house. And one day, I asked him, Dad, what's wrong with you? Hey, I could see the Lord is at hand here. The guy gets up and he says to me, I want what you have. I said, what is that? I said, I want Jesus. My grandfather was 76. And we prayed. And he committed his life to Jesus that day. To the point where we would go to my grandmother. They never married. And my grandmother was an alcoholic till the age of 80. And then he told her, look what Jesus did for me. He can do it for you too. That's the beauty of the gospel. God making his appeal 
through you and I. God wants to touch you today and give you a boldness. I never thought I'd be bold like I am today, but when the fire of God came upon me, when the Spirit of God gave me power, it gave me utterance to speak the gospel because I started seeing that people around me will die and go to hell if I would take this message that I have and I don't share it with anybody. That's the reality of the gospel. If you wouldn't share it with somebody, chances is they might die and go to hell. Again, this is not condemning. This is here to say to you that today Jesus is going to activate you like never before. That you will find a way to share the gospel with somebody. That you will find a way to love on somebody like Jesus. That you will find a way just to have that compassion in your heart and to see them not just for being condemned to hell, but see them as a child that God is wanting to reach through you and He placed you in your school. He placed you in your workplace. He placed you there not just to fulfill a task at campus and get your degree and leave. He placed you there because there's souls that He wants to reach through your life. When you leave, would they just know you for what you brought as in your talents or would you know you for the love of Jesus, this was a disciple maker. As we're coming to a close, I want to say to you today, Jesus gave you a ministry. You see, if you see Jesus' response to sinners, if you see how Jesus would respond to a sinner, he accepted him. He took time. To have an intimate moment with him, he welcomed a sinner. Somebody welcomed you. Think about that for one moment. Somebody welcomed you. Whether it was in a church, whether it was in a follow group, whether it was in whatever we called it, whether it was on the streets or the campus or the workplace, somebody welcomed you. Somebody accepted you. Somebody exposed enough of God's heart through their lives that made you feel welcomed in that space. This morning I believe that the word of God in Matthew 28 is going to come alive in this place. That Halverberg will be changed. That Jesus said, go therefore into the world and make disciples. Go therefore and go and make disciples. You have got the ability, you are carrying Christ within you, the hope of glory that will transform Haldeberg forever. Come on. It is possible because it's not you. It's not your ability. It is God making an appeal through your life. Invite your neighbor, invite a friend. Invite your friends. As I'm coming to a close, if you don't mind, uh, just, just. The gospel is the power unto salvation. All I had, when sometimes I was amongst people, it was Jesus. 
That was enough. That was enough. When I felt inadequate, I said, Jesus, I don't know how this is going to work out. Would you walk with me? Sometimes you tell me, I'm walking with you long already. But the Holy Spirit would minister gently into my heart. There's many times coming back, apostolic passion that year. I'm standing there. The morning I get a call saying my grandmother, she used to drink a lot. But sometimes in a Nova Park, while things is going hectically wrong outside, we would lay on the ground. It was a retail. We would lay, she would, she would get off the bed where she was sleeping by her husband. She comes and lay by me while she's having a drinking. And she would sing little quirkies with me. And as she would sing, she would sing things like, Klim op die waar, klim op die vierige waar, amal wat die Heere lief het, klim op die vierige waar. My ma, the one that loved me, the one that, that just accepted me, she wasn't saved. I almost lived this. <laughs> she said she's got, so they diagnosed her with tongue cancer. Oh, and I go into Hofje because I know mama isn't saved. And that morning we stood there and I said to them while I was talking, would you guys knit your faith with mine? I'm not trusting for her healing because the mere fact that she got to 80, drinking for more than almost 50 years and her body kept through all of that. I'm not saying Jesus couldn't heal her, but I was more interested in her coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because while her flesh would die, a spirit will be with Jesus, will be in the very presence of God. That day I said, brothers, would you pray with me? And we all prayed together for my ma. <laughs> About a week later, she came to Jesus. She was there. Come on. Mama gave her life to Jesus. God was making his appeal. The very next thing that happened, I go to my mom, my grandmother. I, I go on my knees. I'm feeding a little bit of water as she's in this last phase. I'm nursing Ma home because I knew she was going to be with Jesus. And as I would give her, I said, Mama, would you lay your hands on me? And people is looking at me. Is he going to pray for her? The evangelist? She's going to heal her tongue and all. I didn't feel. I said, Mama, would you lay your hands on me? And pray for me. At 80, she started speaking a blessing over my life. She started releasing things. And I was on my knees. And I just said, Jesus, only you. Only you. But then it struck me. He does the saving. We have to do the sharing. The more you share, the more you will save. He will save your mother. He will save your grandfather. He will save your uncle, your auntie, your brothers. People that you think you will never reach. I'm telling you, if you dare to open your mouth, do life with an unsaved person, Jesus will move. You see, the lion of Judah is inside of you. The beauty of Jesus is what shines out of you. The fire of God. You might not feel it, 
But I'm telling you, if you are a child of God and the Spirit of God is inside of you, the fire of God is inside of you. You'll see that the Bible says, oh, the power. You will receive what? Power to be my witness. A witness of Jesus Christ is raw power in this world. The enemy will come up against you trying to fight you, but the man of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. God wants to make an appeal through your life. In your family, in your school, in your campus, even to others entering this church that might not look like you. They might just come in here and you might just give them a smile from Jesus and they would come to know Him. This morning, can we stand as we come into a closure? Shetarababosutu. This morning you heard me speak about those four different places where these lost people. You might be a person that feel you are lost in this church. The last couple of two years was hard. It was tough. Business was lost. I met a guy told me 80% of my business is missing. The bank is coming to take my car. It was hard. And you might be in that place where you're saying, oh, I actually numbed myself thinking I'm okay. But in actual fact, I became a professional Christian. I come to church. I tick the boxes. And when things go at work, then I tell people, now I go to church. But in actual fact, you know that this, this, that relationship with Jesus is not what it used to be. You might be in a place where you where you just hanging around, you hear the gospel week after week, might have even been years. You kind of believe in Jesus, you kind of believe in this whole Christianity thing, but you know you never came to a place where you said, Jesus, yeah, I am. I know my morality and my righteousness cannot save me, but only you can. You might be somebody that never made that decision and I don't care if you're 5 years old, 2 years old, 10 years old, 45, 80, no matter where you are. There's room at the master's stable where there's a feasting happening for you. It's not about going to heaven. It's about experiencing the reality of Jesus here on earth. That is the gospel. Not just about when I die and go to heaven. It's about bringing his kingdom down now while we're here. It's not about how much he can bless us. Here's it. If Jesus does nothing for you from this moment on, he has done enough for you by dying on the cross. If you fall in any of these categories, I want you to be bold. This is, this is a family moment, man. 
I was a backslider. I was in the back of the church. And that day the preacher man doesn't do an altar call and I missed the moment. And then the afternoon my wife had to rededicate my life to Jesus. So she had to lead me to Christ twice. <laughs> if you're in any of those categories and you felt the tugging of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be brave enough. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. I see that. Come on. Just raise your hand. Keep it there. Just keep it there. Jesus is working. The Holy Spirit is at move here. It's okay. This is family. This is family. You're in the right place this morning. Just give it a moment. Receive the love of Jesus right there where you're at. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. If you know in your heart, if you know in your heart that I'm not we I need to be with Jesus and you want to get to that place, this is a call for salvation. This is not a call where we're going to pray for you. We're going to do that as well, the ministry moment. But this is a call for you that's saying, I am not where I need to be with Jesus. I want to be very clear on that. Keep that hands raised because I want to pray for you. You see what the Bible says, in heaven there's a celebration for every sinner that comes to repentance. Right now the angelic host is celebrating in all of heaven for you that whether you're saying I'm coming back to Jesus or whether you're saying this is my first time I'm coming to Jesus, heaven is celebrating. Right there where you're at, I'm going to pray with you. And after that, I'm going to ask you maybe to come and speak to peer, some of the leaders, because they want to help you with your next steps. They want to help you to get into the next steps with Jesus. Get you into that places where you can grow with Christ. Would you pray with me? Those that raise their hands, just one last time, would you raise that hand? And we're going to pray this simple prayer, but it's powerful. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I thank you that you saved my soul. Jesus, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you for every person that has prayed that prayer for the first time or a recommitment. Seal them right now by the seal of your Holy Spirit. Touch them. Minister to them right now. I thank you that these are sons and daughters of yours now. You have given them the right to be children of God. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a clap? Can we celebrate him? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
Heaven is celebrating. The angels are celebrating for you guys that said, I'm coming back to Jesus. Now as we're coming to an end, on my way here, I was driving. This is for those that is found, that is saved, that can that is in that place where they are in a relationship with Jesus. I was driving here and I saw a wind turning like a tornado. And it's turning. And as this wind turns, I said, Lord, what is this? Said as, as much as the tornado might be a noisy thing, he's saying his voice is in the wind. And he's going to give the people in this house ears to hear him like never before. Like never before. You know what that means. You are going to be in such a place of intimacy with Jesus that you will hear him and respond. And as this wind was turning, I saw people being flung out of it. Not in a scary way, but in a way that they would land in different places. Some of you are going to hear the voice. Come on. You're going to hear the voice of the Lord gently. But as you hear it, come and speak to your senior leaders. Come and speak to your follow group, your follow group leader. Tell them about you hearing God in this space. And you might be somebody that is going to go into a nation. You might be somebody that God wants to release in this place because you heard His voice to go. You're going to heed his voice to go. This year, I am going to declare is going to be apostolic center. In fact, the Lord is saying it is an apostolic center already. You are not going to send. <laughs> you're going to send your best brother. You know why? Because God has created capacity you in you and in this leader's team. That in this next season, you will bring up leaders like never before. You will see a multiplication of leadership in this place, not just as in numbers, but in capacity. And therefore, you'll be able to send your best. Your best into the world, your best into the communities, because God is going to be doing the speaking. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are going to minister into the hearts and into the ears of this, your people that are standing here, into this spirit man that will receive words, of oh Father, for it's your word that is set, that accomplishes that, that it's set out to do, oh Father. So we thank you, Lord, that, Father, in this house we will have goers. Father, they're not going to wait for a word to say to go. In fact, your word is clear in Matthew 28. Now go into the world. Father, I pray for every young person here. Give them boldness. For us that's a bit older, Father, give us boldness. So that we can speak the gospel with power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, if there's anybody that's got sickness in their body, Specifically, I saw somebody with shoulders. I saw somebody with, 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 with the hips. If you've got pain in that spaces, the right elbow, I feel as well. And there's somebody that is struggling with some pains within the abdomen area. 
And it's not an abdomen area that the pain was just here for now. It's a pain that's been coming on for a while. If that is you, I want you to lay hands on that very part of your body. That shoulder that is in pain, lay your hands on the That abdominal pain that you're having, lay your hands on there. If there's any other pain that I'm not mentioning, back pains, lay your hand on that back. If it's a knee, you lay your hand on there. Whatever that pain is right now, I believe Jesus is going to heal you. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to heal you. Oh. Somebody needs to stand in the gap. There's a family member that is waiting for results on some terminal illness. And there's a little bit of fear that crept in there. Just stand in the gap for that person. I don't know what that, I'm not clear on that. I just see there's a terminal thing, whoa, like a cancer, that they're waiting for results. They're not having the results as yet. Just stand in the gap right now. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Your word is clear that says, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. Father, I speak to every ounce of pain that's in every person's body. Father, you said that you've given us the power and authority to speak to things. And so, Father, we call forth the healing in this body, that pain in that shoulders, the inflammation that is in there. Father, the water that's on the knees right now, Father God, heal that knee. Father, that right shoulder that's in pain. Father, heal that cartilage. Restore the muscles. Father, may the joy of the Lord be the portion. Father, we speak to that abdominal cramps. And pains that is there, oh Father. Lord, with these concerns and thoughts even around that pains when they say, oh, I don't want to really go because I'm afraid. Father, right now I pray for peace over their minds and I speak healing within their bodies. Right now, that cramps, we speak to it in Jesus' name that you would go. Father, I pray for every person in your world that is struggling with anxiety. Oh, even a bit of depression. I pray right now that your peace that transcends all understanding will be the portion. Father, where the dark cloud was hanging over them right now calls your light to shine into that, oh Father, that they will experience the beauty of your touch. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for that healing. We thank you, Lord, for that healing right now right now by faith we receive it in Jesus name Amen if you could not do a certain thing with that shoulder would you would you try and do something come on come on there's one come on let's give the Lord a hand if there's somebody that's been healed from anything else that heaps if you are in this place would come on praise God we see that hand hallelujah can we celebrate that Amen. Amen. We see that hand. If there's anything that the Lord has touched you in this house that I'm not mentioning, that you felt the dark cloud lifting, is peace filling you. Receive that and walk in that. I see businesses flourishing again. Don't be afraid. 
It might look bleak, but I promise you, sometimes in the famine, God, promise, God prospers His people. God is setting things up that you do not see. I have to say this for that businessman and woman. May His presence be all that you after and you will see what He's going to do with you. Because where His presence is going to fall in your workplace, there's going to be joy, unspeakable. Because it's not just about you, it's about His presence and what He's going to do in that business. Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.